the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and fun things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful spells. She's actually sitting me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's be, yo. Let's be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. everybody and welcome to that witch life podcast i'm your host today i'm courtney i'm back in the host seat it's been a minute and who am i with you're with kanani yeah as you do with- the short straw <laughs> every day that's the story of my life that's gonna be right on my she drew the short straw <laughs> drew the short <laughs> straw kidding. As they say, not putting that out in the universe. I'm just being kind of a dick. Anyway, um, no Hillary today because she's been forced to work. And she said we are, she gave me permission to say this. Um, please support us on Patreon so that maybe Hillary can make podcasting her full-time job and quit her day job, which makes her sometimes have to not be on the podcast at last minute because that still pays her bills more than this does. So if you want we don't, more yeah, Hillary, we, we, we pay her gas bill right now. And I think in order for her to survive, we're going to have to pay more than her gas bill. Of course, we would be the ones associated with the gas. That's just par for the course. You know, but yeah, so if you, if you urinating want on someone... To balance out the caustic shit show that is me and Kanani when we get together, then, um, you know, either join Patreon or up your pledge. <laughs> kidding, just kidding. Not really, just kidding. Hey, Kanani, how's your witchcraft these days? Oh, my gosh. Well, so I am having a very interesting life experience right now in that uh, it is this week is my children's spring break from school. Yeah. And so my kids are spending three days with my parents at the beach, which is phenomenal. That means that we will not be interrupted this evening with dancing corn dogs. And (laughs) so I, yesterday it was so, so funny. My mom came and got the kids and we have this new fun thing that my dryer does where it's, it happened about two or three weeks ago and it now makes a horrifically awful mind jarring squealing noise for about two minutes or 10, about 10 minutes in the cycle where essentially I have to shut the laundry room door and I shut a curtain that goes down to the sunken room and we all hide upstairs and shut our bedroom doors to try and hide from this noise, which can be heard throughout the house. And I was having to finish washing some of the clothes that I was going to send the kids with to my mom's house. And so unfortunately my mom heard this awful, awful noise that was coming from the laundry room. And she's like, what in the shit is that? And my nine-year-old son looks at her and he goes, you know what that sounds like, grandma? That sounds like a thousand demons leaving someone's body and going straight back to hell. And then he looks at me and he goes, doesn't it, mom? <laughs> like I know the sound. Like I'm very familiar with the sound of a thousand demons <laughs> leaving someone's body and going straight back to hell. And my mom just looks at me, and I'm like, "Yes, clearly I do not monitor his YouTube watching enough. I understand 
just mm-hmm. take the children and leave now. Like, no, just I please just assumed that your mother would not think YouTube. She'd be like, where the hell, who the hell are you releasing demons from? Why are you getting involved in that? I mean, that's just yeah, where I exactly. assumed your mom, your mom would not. I, but I just turned at my nine-year-old like, what the shit? Where did that come? It sounds demons being released from a body and going straight back to hell. I'm like, and honey, if well, that doesn't that. come from YouTube, that sounds like something you would say well, to I probably your children have. when that's they're true. making too much noise upstairs. I, I mean, it's probably something specifically that you have said to them about the music they listen to. That's like, probably true. <laughs> All of that's probably true. Oh, man. All of that's right. probably true. So... As as you know, and most of our listeners know that like the past year and a half for me has been a bit of a slog when it comes to my witchcraft, just because, you know, first me and my husband and I had a, had a miscarriage, um, about like, it'll be two years in August. And that was really, you know, just they threw me off my course for a while. And then, you know, when we, um, had our pregnancy, um, I was just kind of scared of going anywhere near the spirits. Just kind of like, you know what, I'm just going to be over here in the quote unquote muggle world. And I'm just going to chill here for a while. And then once, you know, the baby got here and everything's safe, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to keep chilling here for a while so that, you know, uh, I don't need anyone to, I don't need the spirits to know she's here. I'm just going to kind of chill out. Um, and then, um, but it was, we were on a nature walk this past weekend um, you know, but the baby and the dog, they were that family that does that. And then I looked at my husband when we were like rounding the bed. I'm like, Hey, let's do an Ostara ritual right now. I just, was like, let's just do one. He's like, okay. And so we went over to this little patch of woods that said no trespassing. Um, so already like, well, let's then. just excellent yeah, parenting just, already. I, yeah, I support just, this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's just, let's just show our daughter that some rules are dumb. And so we, um, uh, created little sacred space. And I just turned to him and I said, you know what, I'm ready to return to the, the, the practice now. Um, it's been a long time and I just feel like I'm ready. It's, I needed to be a pull away for a while and now I'm back. And here's what was really interesting. So I've been reading this book called the fourth trimester, um, which is about caring for your body after childbirth, which is something that we don't you know, in the United States and many other Western cultures don't put a whole lot of emphasis on. It's like you take your six weeks maternity leave and you get back to work and was all focused on getting your body quote unquote back, which is a whole ridiculous topic for another time. Um, but I, um, was reading about like, and how so many cultures, the first 40 days after childbirth, you know, are very, very, it's a very sacred time. It's a time of, of being very, um, inner inward and indoors and stuff like that. And then after 40 days, there's a sense of like returning to the world. And you know, something said to me, I want to see what exactly was 40 days ago from today, the day I did the ritual to say, I want to come back to witchcraft. And 40 days before was exactly my daughter's birthday. Like she was born. So literally the, I didn't even realize it, but I had somehow in my DNA was embracing this 40 day period of I'm just going to focus inward and then literally coming back saying, okay, yes, now I'm ready to do the witchcraft and the get out and do things and the blah, blah, blah. And I'm still taking it really easy. I'm not going to freaking, you know, go crash back into my life the way I was before. But, um, I just, I, that felt, that felt very special to be like, Oh, there's a, somehow I, I knew. I think that's really cool. Cause I think I had mentioned to you, 
And I've tried to mention to other people that I know that have, that, you know, post-pregnancy, um, pregnancy wasn't difficult for me. I was very lucky actually in that regard. I didn't have, um, you know, I had typical complications more with my first than my second, but I mean, I didn't have like just awful morning sickness and some of the other things that other women have had that I just, Oh, I just, I do. I feel so bad for them. But the thing that was the hardest for me was right at, was after the baby was born Mm -hmm. because when you're pregnant, everything that's wrong and everything that sucks and everything that's just annoying, like you're growing life inside you. Right. So you have like the perfect, like, this is why, like you have an explanation. It's like, okay, whatever. It's because I'm pregnant. I'm growing a baby. It's everything's supposed to suck right now. That's fine. So then once you've given birth and the baby is now there, but your body still sucks. And for me, it, I just felt like I still felt like an alien to myself. I was uncomfortable. I didn't feel like myself. I've got stuff squirting out of everywhere. I can't even just lay comfortable, you know, and, and you no longer have this excuse of, oh, well, it's because you're pregnant. Mm. But you don't feel like you, you know what I mean? There, there is definitely to me a, a significant period of time before you come back into yourself. And so I really like that idea of that concept of 40 days to give yourself some time yeah. to realize you are not going to feel like yourself once the baby leaves your body. It's going to take time for you to kind of transition from, you know, being that, that, that host essentially to just being your own person that it's not an instantaneous thing. There is a process that has to occur there before you kind of start to feel comfortable with yourself and the, you know, and, and it's, and it's changed at that point. So then you have to adjust to not only, you know, not going back to yourself, but you know, you're going back to a slightly different version of yourself. Well, yeah. And it's, I, I don't think it helps that we have, we're bombarded with all these images of, of, you know, fitness influencers that are just like, I I got an ad recently on my phone because the algorithm has figured me out. And it's was one of those pictures of a woman who was like 42 weeks pregnant with twins. And then six weeks after giving birth, she's back in her like size six jeans or whatever. And she's like, ah, look at me. And it's like, I don't really get excited by that because I'm sitting here thinking, what did you do to yourself to do that? You know? Yes. Um, and so uh, anyway, that was just my, <laughs> I've, I've told people, I like to tell people my algorithm brings shame upon my family. Like yeah, the things, the things that social media sends me, I think it just thinks I'm like a 13 year old boy. I think it must think I'm a Is 13. A I must think that I'm a 13 year old gay boy because it's all like men doing inappropriate dance. So clearly they know that I'm into, I'm into males but they also think I have, they, well, I should say, don't think they know that I have the emotional maturity and the the sense of humor of that, of a, a young, you know, teenager. And so, but I will tell you what, the thing I am so freaking tired of, I am so fucking tired of ads telling me how my vagina is supposed to smell. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, every other ad is like, do this for this smell. And my boyfriend loves the way I smell and blah, blah, blah. I don't, well, I'm like, they're worried that you've got a stinky snatch. What? 
this is my thing. Like, I am not going to spend my time worrying about how my vagina smells. So far, I have no complaints. I have received no complaints. I, I don't anticipate in trying to create this as a problem in my mind. But it's like, these are those little reasons why I will not allow my children on social media. Is because, like, as a 42-year-old woman, I'm able to look at this and think this is insanity and just more stupid products that someone wants to sell me. But if I was a kid, right, like, that's another thing you're like, oh, I have to worry about this and I have to worry about this. And, oh, my, now I have to worry if my vagina smells. It's like, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. Speaking of things that are ridiculous, um, we had a – I got tagged in something on Twitter – um, and it turns out that AI bots are now creating witchcraft books. And I had to explain to Kanani what an AI bot is. Artificial intelligence, basically, it's like they're just chucking out witchcraft books left and right. And it turns out that this author named Mari Silva is not an actual person, but an artificial intelligence bot that is just chunking out a whole bunch of witchcraft books. Um, that's insane. Yeah, there is a. I wonder uh, if that's. I wonder if that's what happens when, like, I know we've talked to Matt, and uh, Matt has posted about he's found literally pages of his books. Yes. In other books, where uh-huh. someone literally just copies and pastes entire, like, not like a sentence or not a thought or a concept. They will yeah. copy and paste entire pages from his books and put those pages into their own books. Um, yeah. I wonder if it's like that's computer generated or something I, like that. I'm or sure if- there are people that do that, that just take the information and uh, plug it in there. So it's, it's, I think that the big, here's, here's what the pet, what the person's post said. This is traditional witchcraft and folklore. It's a Facebook page. The past, and it's actually this, this, um, this was dated back in December, um, but it's still, it's, it's still something to talk about. The past few weeks, there has been a lot of talk around social media about these AI picture apps. And although people have been having fun with those apps, there's a real world implication that people seem not to realize. You see these AI apps are taking art, digital art and physical art from artists copyrighted art, book cover art, et cetera, from artists pretty much lifting their work and the artists are not seeing a single penny. Yet these apps also make money from the general public. They're basically stealing artwork. And like Kanani said, some of these are probably most likely just taking pages from people's books and putting them into an AI generated book. So within that, AIs are within the book field too. And what's and one who's popularly known as an AI goes by the author named Mari Silva. Mari Silva has published over 300 books in a short time across pretty much every magical tradition you can think of. When you purchase these books, you are paying into something that simply doesn't care for the traditions that they are writing about. And in that case, respect. And some of these things that Mari, the quote unquote, Mari Silva's quote unquote writing about um, are closed traditions. Like they have a book out about Orishas. And so this is not somebody who is an Orisha initiate who is trained. This is literally a computer that is stealing information and passing it off as an authentic source of information. If so you look up the author, like, does it look like a person? Like, do is there no, an illusion of a person? Or, okay. No. So that would be a sign then if you're looking at someone would be, if you can find nothing about the author, if somebody produces 300 books, period, but especially if they produce like 300 books within a month, I don't, right. even the most prolific authors I know have not put out 300 books. Like 
They just haven't. That's more than a lifetime of of work. I mean, books typically take one to two years or more, but they take at least, unless it's, unless it's like a very, like a, like, you know, a zine or a really short book, then maybe that can be done in a few months. But in general, most books that are like 200 ish pages are going to take at least, at least a year to write. And so it's not just the writing, it's the writing and then publishing, right? It's the writing, it's the printing, it's the art, it's the, you know, then getting it out, then distributing it. So yeah, I mean, even if you write a book, you know, in a short period of time, it's still not going to be out on a shelf or available for someone for at least a year. Right. And so someone who has 300 books out, 300 different books out is probably not a real person. I mean, to be fair, maybe they're like 500 years old. They could be. I mean, they are a witch. I mean, if they're like 500 years old, that's doable. Yeah. So just putting this out there, I know we have a lot of new witches that find us and um, are you know trying to find their way. And so you want to find resources. But just do a quick Google search on the author of, of these books. Um, there should be something somewhere that says, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so lives lives here and is the author of this and that and the other and has a cat. You know, normally also pagan authors, their, their, uh, their bios tend to be a little corny. <laughs> They will often mention fur babies. Um, They will mention that they, um, you know, live, live, live in strange places. Um, And that's how one of the ways you can know a witchcraft author is genuine is if they have some kind of a twist in their bio, that's kind of cute and makes you laugh. So, yeah. That's interesting in that case though, that they don't even like, there isn't even a pretend bio. You know what I mean? There isn't even even like a, there's There's not even like a fake, you know, background there's just literally no background given for who this person yeah. is yeah none none, none whatsoever That's fucked so up. um one of the things we wanted to touch bases on we had a um listener question i believe this person is also a member of our twl witch squad um and they were looking for some magical feedback so this is a long email and so friend who sent us this we're just going to summarize a lot of this um, for sake of, of time. So basically just a quick content warning. Um, this does, this does indicate a sexual assault. Um, so if you're not in a place where you want to hear that, I would say jump ahead about um, 11, 12 minutes, um, and, um, join us for our interview with our guest. In the meantime, um, here is what our friend wrote to us says, dear squad, I very much would appreciate if anyone is willing to send positive energies my way and any insight. I trust you ladies to be honest. I am facing a disciplinary trial after being sexually assaulted at work by a colleague I trusted. So um, they're going on to say that it, they, they were asked to come back to work. Um, they work in the hospitality industry and um, they invited their cousin to join them. Um, and they, let them know. Sounds like they, they told the cut, the cousin knew what had happened to them. And it sounds like, I'm sorry, I'm rereading this. Um, they had some hope. It said, it looks like they had some high profile guests and she told her cousin, I'm assuming, I'm sorry, space in this person's name. I'm using female pronouns. I'm just making an assumption here. Um, that they had that their cousin, um, what they said, just, you keep it cool if you see anybody famous, but it sounds like their cousin, um, did some, some fangirling and they got into trouble for that. Um, I am facing a disciplinary trial after being sexually assaulted at work by a colleague I trusted. Um, 
so they work in the hospitality industry and um, it seems like they, they were, they were there also with their cousin. Um, sorry, listener. We, we got a little bit confused about some of the, um, the, the things that went on, but it sounds like there was some challenges with your cousin that when they came to visit um, and it caused some problems at your work. So you're saying after going to HR regarding a sexual assault that occurred on the same night, investigating on the incidents in the entire stay, um, then it sounds like it's been two weeks since my statement was taken. I still have to work with the colleague every day and pretend that nothing has happened. Presumably this colleague was the one who, who uh, caught, who was the, the assaulter. Um, I, the company threatened my position. If I even peeped a word to anyone, I have been alone in suffering. The director called for me this afternoon to discuss the outcome of the investigation. She has accused me of misrepresenting our brand and standards as my family member did something I have no control over. So this also involves the cousin. I apologize to these guests and try to nudge my cousin away from the table. Okay. Um, I have tried everything in my power to stop this, and now I may be facing serious consequences for my cousin's actions and after being assaulted by her staff member. So there's two things going on. The cousin causes a scene, and there was an assault on the job by it that, that was caught that was the, that the, you were assaulted by the staff member. So I'm very lost and could use some advice on how to manage my emotions and gifts on the moment. I do not want to express my magic with volatile meanings or intentions, but I'm seeking advice on how to use my gifts to protect myself even more than I do every day with my rituals. Blessed be and thank you for reading. So just first of all, I'm so sorry that this has happened to you. Um, you know, both the, certainly the assault, but also, you know, your cousin causing problems for you at your job. That's terrible. Uh, both of them are, are just awful. And so I, I just want to say, I hope that you are getting some professional mental health support for this. Um, that is what's paramount is make sure that you're well. So please, please contact someone and, um, you know, be, make sure you're talking to someone, but it sounds like you're trying to protect yourself while you're going through this very raw, vulnerable time. Um, Kanani, do you have any thoughts? You're good at protection magic. Do you have thoughts about things this person can do to protect themselves while they're in this emotionally valuable, uh, to me, emotional vulnerable state? It's, it's, it kind of sounds to me like what they're insinuating is that their job is essentially trying to get rid of, get rid of them and say it's because of what their, their cousin's behavior Whereas they feel like they're being pushed out because essentially they reported that there was an assault. Right. Is essentially to me what it sounds, what it sounds like they're saying. They're saying that I didn't do anything wrong here, but I'm going to lose my job because my cousin acted a fool. When in reality, you know, the company should be more concerned about the fact that, you know, my coworker assaulted me at, you know, at, at our business. Um, it's a lot. I mean, I, it, it's hard. I, I've, I've, I've been in similar circumstances. I actually left a job one time when I was a teenager because, uh, I was, um, I was, first of all, I was underage. I was only six, 16. I was either 16 or 17, maybe 17. And, uh, I was working actually at a bowling alley and one of the customers came up and, uh, he, he had to have been in his forties, if not a 50 year old man. And he would make comments to me when I would work there and, you know, just, you know, say I look cute or call me darling or, you know, whatever things that were, 
gross because you're an old man. Don't talk to me, but they weren't offensive. And one time uh, he had clearly been drinking and I was waiting in line at the snack place to get something to eat on my break. And he came up and was like rubbing my shoulders and telling me how beautiful I was. And I was just like hard pass. And I took off and I, I told my employer and their response was, to be fair, I didn't go to a proper manager as I should have if I had gone above this person. But I went to the person who was above me who essentially just said, it, you know, they're an employee or they, excuse me, they're a customer, not an employee. There's nothing we can do. And I left. And it was gross. You know, I think you're going to be hard pressed, unfortunately, to find people who are listening to this who haven't experienced some oh, sort of inappropriate so... workplace behavior. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that wasn't my only time, but I mean, for me, that was, that was my first time and I've remembered it always. And, and, you know, and, and I was a teenager, right? So I was very easy. It was very easy to quit that job, right? I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have all these things that make leaving not an option. So I would say, you know, as much self-care as humanly possible, because, I want to say that, you know, you wouldn't lose your job over this and that's not how this is going to shake out, but I've seen that happen more times than not. And so I would say lots of self-care. I would say, like Courtney said, definitely be talking to someone, um, be very cognizant of, of your mental and emotional health. Um, as far as things I would be doing spiritually, I would be doing things a lot along the lines of self-care. I would do a lot of, um, I would probably be doing some work with like obsidian and things like that for grounding and for protection. I would probably also, I don't know why I'm very fond of, uh, using mirrors and magic. And I would probably be doing some spells that would involve, um, other people having to see what they were doing and having, having the repercussions of their actions effect bouncing away from me, not, not impacting me, but instead being reflected upon them. Um, not to say that, uh, that may benefit you in this in instance, but perhaps you're saying that this person did something, you know, perhaps even if, if because of what your cousin did, you end up losing your job, maybe it gives someone else, all of a sudden someone else is going to come forward and say, well, I believe that they did that because they did this to me. And now suddenly they're going to face consequences for that. Um, so I would be using, I think some mirror magic to just, like I said, to reflect, have, have their, the consequences of their actions being reflected back upon them as opposed to being focused on you. Um, and just doing a lot of, a lot of self-care and a lot of making sure that you're okay. And, um, just grounding spells and, and healing spells and, um, doing, doing what you can to, to keep that from impacting your life and, and having it shift so that it's impacting their life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, the the tricky thing is with mirrors. It's 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 asking what what you want to see happen. Um, because I've done mirror spells where it's like I want people to to know to see the consequence of their actions, and some people are just they don't want to see it and they will turn away. Um, but if it's like just I I want this stuff to whatever they send to me, I want it to bounce back to them. I feel like mirrors are a little more effective. I don't find personally that I've had a lot of of um 
of um, success when I'm trying to get people to see their own actions. Cause some people will just shut no, their eyes. I've never, I've never tried to get people to see their own actions. What I've used them for, and I've found it to be effective is for other people to see their actions. So like yeah, when I've had people so- speaking, speaking ill of me or something like that, and I know it's not true. It's not that I want them to see what they're doing is wrong. I, I, the kind of the spell is more so that all of a sudden other people start to realize that what they're saying is wrong and they started, it's kind of, I wouldn't use a mirror because a mirror is about looking at the self. Um, so you're not looking at other people when you're doing, for me, it's more about, it's, I guess it's not self-reflection. It's, it's their, their consequences being reflected back to them in their own life. I mean, if it's like their shit, sure. But if it's like, I want people to see things, I would actually do some work with, you know, with, um, with sunstone or with anything that shines a light on something or you can even, even you can just like get super, super pragmatic about it and get a flashlight, like go to the dollar store, get yourself a cheap ass flashlight. And then it's now your magical ass flashlight and you just stick it on top of a picture of that person. So there's a big old giant spotlight on the motherfucker who caused these problems. So there, (laughs) get yourself. Absolutely. I like that. I like that idea. I like that idea too. I've never used a flashlight, but I like, I like that idea. Typically what I use mirror magic for is just so that the, the people's other people see the, see people for who they are and, and the reflection that they give. And I've had a lot of luck with it, but I've, I've done it a lot. And, but I like your idea as well of, of, of using a light to kind of shine a light on someone. See, see, see for who they are. I feel like mirrors can mirrors. It, it's that's there's mirrors have a different kind of re, people have a different relationship with mirrors. Um, but flashlights, spotlights, those kinds of things are real clear and direct. Um, but as for protection for yourself, friend, you know, what you could do is what I'm seeing here is like, take a snippet of your hair. Um, you know, just a, like a, like, doesn't have to be much. It's, Oh, you know what? I totally had a dream about the spell last night. This must be for you. Cause I was dreaming about cutting my own hair. Um, so get a snippet of your hair, just a little bit, you know, nothing anyone's going to miss nothing. You're not going to have to go to the salon and get it, you know, tidy up something like that. Just a couple of your own split ends is fine. Put them in the center on your altar, or some other place. And then, um, um, cover that with some really comforting healing stuff. I'm thinking like, lavender, um, mint chamomile, go to the freaking tea aisle at, you know, at your grocery store and pick out some really like comforting teas, open up those tea bags and then sprinkle the contents all over your, you know, over your hair. Let make sure you do let the herbs know what their role is. Like wake them up, roll them in your hands a bit, wake them up because they're programmed that they're going to go into your body as like a tonic. And now you're being used as magical. Just rub them together and be like, Hey y'all wake up. I need you to do something a little bit different. And then just offering you spiritual comfort. And you can also drink the tea as well and just make that part of your ritual. I think that'd be nice as well. Um, keep that in the center of your altar. And then, around it, like Kanani mentioned obsidian. That's a really good stone. Um, you could also do gravel or even broken glass or barbed wire or nails and create, um, create a circle, a small circle around you. If you don't have those things, um, if you've got blackberry brambles near where you are or thistle, things that are spiky, and then just uh, dress that around the, um, um, or put that around your, you know, the, the part of you that's, that's suffering. So you've got comfort in the middle 
and you've got protection on the outside. And this is a temporary measure um, because it's going to keep people from connecting with you in the future if you leave it there. But right now you just need that comforting space to focus on your healing. So that's what, what I would work on. And I hope that you can get through this and you know, when you're starting to feel better, maybe even doing some work to open avenues for you to move into a safer place, like whether that's within your company into a different department that's safer or to a different place whatsoever, like altogether, because I, I can imagine it'd be really hard to stay where you are, you know, and that maybe you're going to feel like you want to move on from this company after that. And I'm, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I, it is so common for people who identify as or present as women um, or, you know, or, or anyone in particular, anyone, but I'm just saying, you know, female presenting people in particular, it's really hard to, um, I'm sorry, the baby's crying. I'm getting distracted. Um, it's really, it's, it happens so often. I I've gone through some of the harassment has been sexual. Some of it's just been personal. I had an HR director who, harassed me for a very long time and um, left like filled up my voicemail with threatening messages because I didn't want to hang out with them outside of work anymore. Um, and I, you know, couldn't, I brought like when you bring it up to your company, they're like, they would don't really want to get rid of their HR directors. They just want the problem just to go away on its own. So yeah, it's, it happens more often it's than people all think. too common. Unfortunately, like, well, why I, wouldn't I, they just fire the person? It's like, cause they don't want to, the person might be good at their job, but as a terrible human being, and companies right. are like, well, well, let's just deal with the fact that they're a terrible person. They're really good at math and they keep our books in order. You know, it's just yep. fucked. Anyway, friend, we are thinking of you and um, best of luck um, and hope all goes well and that this these magical toils are helpful for you. Um, and I think with that, it is time for a word from our sponsors. Right, Kanani? Very nice. It's new year, new magic time, and we have the perfect way to put a spark back into your magic. We sure do. It is no secret that we are obsessed with Kachina Aurora and everything that the amazing Dawn Hunt creates there. You may be wondering how you can harness that kitchen magic as well. Dawn's books are the perfect way to infuse your daily life with an extra sprinkle of magic. And besides magical tips, the recipes are so delicious. Oh my God, they're so good. Like they make you feel so much better about yourself in the kitchen. Yes. And Dawn Hunt's A Kitchen Witch's Guide to Rest to recipes of love and romance is a staple of mine. It's not just about your love life, but also about self-love and how to infuse your heart into recipes for those that you care about. Yes, and her book, Kitchen Witchcraft for Beginners, Spells, Recipes, and Rituals to Bring Your Practice into the Kitchen is exactly what we have been all needing. Don't be fooled by the title. It is the perfect addition for you seasoned witches as well. Whether you cook or not, it shows you the magical properties of the foods you eat, as well as the magical practices you can embrace when preparing your food. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited as hell for the new book, but we all know that I am the podcast coffee addict. And so I am insanely excited about their new coffee options. They have new moon magic coffee blends. I mean, come on, three roasts to energetically align with the phases of the moon, dark moon, 
half moon, and full moon roasts. They take your daily coffee routine and make it a morning ritual for magic in every cup. We are legit fans of Kachina Aurora, so much so that we include Kachina Aurora products in our TWL magical subscription boxes. But you do not have to wait for us. You can go to kachinaaurora.com and check out Dawn's magically infused olive oils, incredible veggie or chip mixes, risotto mixes, as well as her magical spoons and aprons and the must-have new book, Kitchen Witchcraft for Beginners. Now you get 10% off with our new code, everybody, Witch Life. Literally everything she makes is amazing, and both books are phenomenal. The oils, the dips, the mixes, the coffee, I can't get enough of it. Kachina Aurora is there for all of your magical needs and delicious ones at that. So go to kachinaaurora.com ASAP and don't forget to use code WitchLife and get 10% off. Thank you to Kachina Aurora for being an episode sponsor. Well, it's 2023, and what better way to ring in the new year than with some new rings? Rings, necklaces, and all the pretty shiny things you could possibly hope for to bring in your new 2023 good luck. New year, new jewelry is my motto. I think no one's surprised by that. And Blessed Be Magic is the perfect place to fulfill all of your jewelry dreams. And by you, I also 100% mean me. Yes, Blessed Me Magic creates discreet, beautiful talisman jewelry for witches to remind them of their magic. They have over 700 five-star reviews. Count that, 700, and they ship worldwide with fast, free shipping within the USA. Gift giving is my favorite part of everything. I do it throughout the year and being able to shop for my favorite witches with a company that makes jewelry for witches like me is just phenomenal. I get compliments on my pieces all the time. And just yesterday when I was ordering coffee, the barista noticed my Hecate ring and was grilling me trying to find out where I bought them. And I told them all about Blessed Be Magic and where I got my ring. Truly, they have so many beautiful items to choose from. And they have a new collection, the Lilith collection, which is coming out, which includes an absolutely stunning Lilith signet ring. Oh, I cannot wait to put that in my shopping cart. One of the pieces I also really love is their Pinnacle Mini Pendant Necklace. It's a signature piece of theirs, and it is both elegant and minimalist. It is the perfect combination for today's witch. I have the Pentacle Mini Pendant Necklace, and I love it. I know I often wear my jewelry loud and all over the pl- all over the place, but there is something so classic about this necklace. You're right. It's elegant. And, and, and when I wear it with my Hecate ring, I love floating around town, feeling like I have this connection to my magic everywhere I go. I have totally hooked us and our listeners up and have created a discount code just for that witch life. So go to blessedbemagic.com. That's magic with a K. And use Witch Life 15. That's Witch Life 15 and save 15% on all full priced talisman jewelry. Trust me when I say that with as much shopping as you're about to do and all the presents you're about to buy, when you go to this site, you're going to really love that extra 15% off. That's right. Go be your badass witch selves. And thank you to Blessed Be Magic for being an episode sponsor. Spring is a ways away, y'all, at least where we are. It's going to be cold and rainy for several more months. What Hillary is trying to say is that it's tea drinking weather. All weather is tea drinking weather, especially if you are a fan of the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company. We are not making this up. Jasmine Pearl Tea is magical. Over the years, they have methodically tasted and studied 
thousands of different teas in search of the most delicious and interesting examples available. All of their signature blends are, are handcrafted on site in small batches following a perfected proprietary five-step process, starting with setting an intention. Literally everyone we have introduced the Jasmine Pearl Tea Company to has been hooked on it. From roasting chai spices in-house to sourcing exquisite Italian bergamot oil from for Earl Grey, Jasmine Pearl Tea Company's signature blends range from totally unique to inspired versions of the classics. Once blended, their loose leaf teas are carefully packed, sealed, and lovingly shipped to your door. Yes, the Jasmine Pearl is mindful to not overflavor their blends, but instead lightly scent or embolden their natural essence so that the tea itself shines through. A deep understanding and familiarity with each element is also necessary as ingredients are selected to create balance within the brew. They have such a wide variety of teas. If you're like us, you're still in the throes of winter and crave something rich and smoky like their Lapsang Shushang, or if spring is already in your area and you're looking for something fruity or citrusy to drink over ice, the Jasmine Pearl will have what your witchy heart desires. Supporting small businesses is very important to us. And the Jasmine Pearl is a family-owned tea importer and specialty tea blender based right here in Portland, Oregon, who has been crafting tea blends for 17 years and direct sourcing teas from origin since 2004. Their blending and sourcing philosophy is based in the love of fine teas and herbs, which is why they focus on blending with exceptional ingredients, hand blending each batch using mainly organic ingredients, and it shows. This tea is so good. And it's literally turned me from a tea addict into like a literal raging psycho tea addict. Truth, truth, truth. Yes. <laughs> so check out these phenomenal teas at thejasminepearl.com and you can save 10% with coupon code WITCH2023. That's WITCH2023. You get free shipping on orders over $35 and, you know, go ahead and let them know you heard about them on That Witch Life podcast. Thank you to the Jasmine Pearl for being an episode sponsor. All right. Well, we are very pleased to welcome our guest today, who is Sam Bo Thompson, the owner of Raven's Keep Forge, a magical primitive smithy in the foothills of North Carolina. He has been a practicing pagan since the 90s and is a past VP and president of Triad Cups, which is the Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans. During the years, he has become a Reiki master teacher and a certified great life coach. He learned primitive blacksmithing around 2012 and took to it like a duck to water. He currently teaches both weekend workshops on primitive blacksmithing and the practice of magical blacksmithing. The focal point of his work is on the magical part of blacksmithing and teaching people how to incorporate metal magic into their daily practice. He is currently a full-time magical smith. Being a priest of the Morgan heavily influences what he does, and the smithy is dedicated to her. Sam is also a proud Army veteran. All right, so Sam Sam is, goes by both Sam and Bo. I'm probably going to use both of them. Um, welcome to That Witch Life Podcast. This is exciting. Um, great. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm honored to uh, have the opportunity to share uh, about something I'm very passionate about. So, yay. Because you've listened to our show, you know what question's coming next. How did you know that you were a witch or a magical person? Before we came on the show, you came on the show, or before we started recording, you said you've been in the community for 30 years. Um, and so that means you've known this for a long time about yourself, but what what is your story? 
Well, I, I think um, I was being a veteran in the time that I served, um, you know, late, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I used fantasy as an escape. Right. This was before the Internet, believe it or not, as far as public use of the Internet. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so Armed Forces Radio, you, you, you really didn't get anything but re-up commercials, you know. So it was um, reading. We did a lot of reading while we were, you know, while we were out. And so I read a lot of fantasy and reading a lot of it. I'm like, wow, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, because, I mean, I was raised not Southern Baptist, primitive. Southern Baptist. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah, so, you know, so that's my, if, if you know, you know. Um, so that was kind of my background. And, um, you know, it was so like, you know, this is something about it just kind of resonated with me. Of course, now I read a book that, you know, now it's very, you know, taboo, but The Mist of Avalon, you know, and ingrained right. in it was, you know, all the magic and the, the, the getting back to the land and being in, in tune with the land. And I thought, wow, you know, that, that wouldn't it be cool? You know, if that was real, you know, and years later, the Internet kind of came a household starting thing. And I started running across the research and all of a sudden it's like, wow, OK, well, this this makes sense to me. I understand this. I, you know, um, it's kind of weird because I was in a seminary for briefly uh, amount of time and in philosophy. It was a dual um, study, and it, which I, doesn't make any sense to me because religion I was brought up in was very black and white and philosophy is very gray. So it was a, right. it, it really kind of messed with my mind, you know, but it, it provided me a, an ability to be able to think too, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's got a nice little bonus. Yeah. Um, you know, so I started thinking about, you know, okay, Adam, Eve, Cain left to found a village or a city or a town, depending on your translation, where did people come from? You know, this is so what my started, dad has always said. Where did Cain's <laughs> wife come from? Yeah, you know, so I started thinking about this. So, well, okay, well, you know, and and then the more I started thinking, the more kind of my eyes, I started looking at things of being, you know, our, our na nature is, is dual. You know, there's flowers or, you know, you have male and female. You've got, you know, pollen. I mean, it's all this stuff started being dual. So it just, for me, it was a natural leap to go from, something very singular to something very dual. So very long explanation of a very short explanation. So, so what were some of your favorite fantasy series? Uh, well, another one that you, you can't read anymore, which is David Eddings. You know, I, those were the two, you know, I read a lot of Eddings, uh, Raymond Feist, you know, and Bradley, you know, it was, it was all we had. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm shopping at the commissary, you know, so I can't go to Amazon and order this stuff. You know, so it's just what right. they had. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I was engrossed, you know, my paperbacks didn't make it back home with me because they would just fell apart. Oh, just, that's a sad sign of a true, well, you know, it's funny because I had the similar experience with Mists of Avalon and um, listeners, one of the reasons that people recommend against it is that Bradley is, is was a, the strength of the author was a deeply problematic person and there was a lot of abuse in her family and just like it, it she was she was causing a lot of uh, causing a lot of it and it's just you know um and also the book the book is is fiction fantasy and unfortunately some people took it as literal <laughs> because she was a very talented writer and so they took this um this uh the story that she had written about like a goddess-centered religion as they took it as um actual fact <laughs> 
and that there was, you know, a, a religion with a great goddess and um, that it was stamped out in a very particular way by Christianity. And just that's historically inaccurate. But what I can say about the book is that um, it helped me when I was coming out of that bridge of um, the Roman Catholic background with a lot of Southern Baptist influences from my, you know, from my, my mom's family um, and in seeing that there was a, seeing that it was possible to um, seeing basically seeing what feminine divinity looked like because I had never seen that in practice. So I feel like I can credit the book with that. I don't recommend it as, you know, required reading by any means, but I'd say, Hey, if you, if you want a good fantasy story, it is a good fantasy story, but it is pure fantasy with a very problematic author. (laughs) Just take that information with you. It's probably called fiction for a reason. Yes, exactly. You know, I don't think it was ever in her mind that it was a a re because it was, I understood it kind of as reading it. It was a retelling of the story of King Arthur from a female's point of view, you know, which, I thought was actually kind of cool because, you know, I wrote the Lamort, the author, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle's version too, you know, it's, yes. which is once again, a fantasy right. <laughs> it has, has a little bit historical, but not that much. It's you know, biblical it's just, fan fiction is what it is. You know, so for, for me, it was escapism. Yeah. You know, it was what I used to disengage you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing from where I was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was that or cry yourself to sleep. What are you going to do? You Were know? you in Desert Storm? I was in the first one. Yeah, I was. I, mm-hmm. My footlocker, I still have sand in my footlocker. Oh, wow. I got it brought back. And it's, you know, yeah. So it was, uh, I was in an actual combat unit. You know, a lot, there, there's trauma surrounding all that, you know, because you can't not have some. Of course. <laughs> you know, and and in, in today's environment, you know, it's there's a lot of triggers. I, I'm still very heavily involved in the veteran community because we we need we need support. You know, yes. I mean, because we're basically trained killers that is dumped back in society. We have no exit exactly strategy. Right. We have no exit strategy. You you go from the front line to the food line. You, you know, I mean, there's no exit strategy, and then we wonder why. <laughs> we, we have a we we have issues. Yeah, don't get me started. We're not talking about that. So let's let's. I'm having a bad day with it today, anyway. And I'm very appreciative for our our. We know many uh, fellow pagans and people in the witchcraft magical community who are veterans, and it's very exciting to see them, you know, be so vocal and 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 helpful and and involved in the community. It's it's always nice to see. So definitely, thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I, I do. Um, it's part of my service to the, to the Morgan because it was something that she um, it was I, I call them polite suggestions because mm. it makes me feel better. <laughs> um, and if you've ever seen the movie Boondock Saints, you know, there's a scene in the court court in the court um, where they go. These are not polite suggestions. So that's mm. why I always call anything that she asked me to do a, a polite suggestion. Um, <laughs> with these very giant he air says quotes. In quotes. Yeah. He's yeah. quoting Funny when quotes. he says that. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Um, so, um, but I, I work uh, with vet veterans that have run afoul of the law. They're not, they're nonviolent crimes. Most of them are drug and alcohol because yes. they're doing the same thing with that, that I did with books. books. Right. Yeah. Um, and 
Um, by doing so, it has enabled me to wean myself off alcohol because I was a heavy drinker up to this point. And I, my excuse was I can't do that because I drink. I can't work in that environment because it's a bad, you know, I'm, I'm not a good role model. And she created an event to where I no longer drink. So she's like, okay, well, how about now? Uh, okay. <laughs> so, how um, about now? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So we, we have, this is the type of relationship that I have with her. Um, and it's, I understand it. It's, you know, she doesn't, there's nothing, she doesn't harm me in any way. There's not anything like that. It's just, she shows me what I need to do. Sometimes I need a, a better example maybe as a way to look at it. These are ways that she gets my attention. So, but anyway, so I work with veterans that run across, I'm what I call a mentor. So I'm a part of the court system, but I'm not involved in the court system. So I'm like a battle buddy to these guys. As they go through treatment, they go into court, they get assigned a veterans court. And within veterans court, if they complete the program, because it's like a 13 month program, then they get the record expunged. So they get a new lease on life. We get them plugged back in the system and get them, get their, 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 their system readjusted, right? They get on medication because a lot of, you know, they, they need somebody. So it's a way to kind of get them back in society like they need to be. Um, so I'm very proud to be a part of it all. It's very heartbreaking too, because some of them don't, they don't make it. And, you know, we don't, we don't leave anybody behind, you know? And so that was, once again, I I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. I'm just very passionate about it because I think. No, it's a wonderful thing you're doing. And I think it's also, It's kind of funny because I think it's one of those things that there is, I I like having people talk about it if they, if and when they're a veteran, because I think there is this, this disconnect where people just assume, right? Like if you're a pagan, oh, you're just, you know, peace and love and light and this and that. and And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's some of it. That's part of it. But we have a lot of veterans, that exists a lot of in the veterans, a lot of a lot a of lot. activists, a lot of people that are are in doing really tough, tough work. People that are yeah. You know, so it's it's so. good to shine light on that and be like, you know, that's something that I think that a lot of people, uh, when they come, especially when they're new to the path and kind of come into the path, I think one of the things is people think, you know, well, I didn't grow up like this. I don't know this, so they feel like this this maybe this can't be for me or I don't fit in here. But then when they look around, it's like, everyone's here. There's people from all backgrounds, all ethnicities, all, you know, uh, life experiences, all career paths. There, I mean, there's just no, there is no end. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, I could totally fit it. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it's, it's not an just, image and an aesthetic. Although there are some really great witchy aesthetics out there. It's not just about the, the specific I Instagram aesthetic, but um, yeah. So it's it's wonderful. Like I said, I'm 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 very grateful for what you do, and I'm glad that you know you're able to showcase that. And and like I said, I think that also helps other people to feel more more welcome. So you know, um, so you are a a blacksmith and we're talking about metal magic, um, which could be confused with music and not to say that metal is not metal. Music is not magical because it certainly is, but we're not talking about that kind of metal today. Um, we're talking about the physical metal. And so, so Sam, what is magical about metal? And so therefore what is metal magic? 
See, when I think of metalhead, I think of what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out there at the forge. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the thing about metal is I think sometime during around the Industrial Revolution, I wasn't there, so I can't say for certain this is what happened. But this is just this is a huge assumption. We got disconnected from metal. Um, metal used to be a very important part of our life. Um, the blacksmith especially was connected to everybody's life, you know, because there wasn't anything in the town, village, city, whatever, that didn't come through the blacksmith shop. And smithing is a very elemental, primal craft. You know, we've been doing it since the copper age of some form of smelting, you know, um, you know, you use all, if you're in a, a, a frame of mind to where you think elementally, you use all the elements when you do forging, right? So you usually have air, the bellows, you've got the earth of the forge, you got the fire in the forge and you have water, in the quench tank, you know, and then of course you have the spirit of the Smith. So it's very elemental. But in my looking at it is the, the magic of metal is our connection to it. Um, you know, if you look at it, what metal is versus what we are, we have an intimate connection already with it. We've just lost the connection. So mm-hmm. we have copper within us. We physically have copper in us. Okay. Now I'm not a doctor, so don't go out there taking copper supplements or anything like that. So, you know, see your physician. <laughs> don't do eat pennies, like that. y'all. Do you not know, eat it's pennies. Not, yeah, well, the pennies now are, they're not even copper. So, you know, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what they are, but they, they quit making them out of copper. Um, 100% copper anyway. So we have copper and copper is responsible for allowing your body to absorb iron. Okay, which is basically steel. Steel is 98% iron. You know, and it's 2% of some other stuff. Carbon being one of them. Okay, so we have iron within us. And then we look at the, so we've covered the iron age and the copper age. Well, what about the bronze age? Well, the bronze mm-hmm. is tin and copper. Well, we have trace amounts of tin in us as well. And the one that I think got shafted was brass, right? Because you have brass in you too. It's zinc and copper make brass. So you already have these intimate physical connections to the metal. And with within my working of it and working with, with the morgue, and we started, she started working on this. I'm like, okay, what are some... There's something here. I'm not sure what it is. I started making things for people magically in their practice. Um, and as I was, went back and started looking at some of the lore, the Irish lore, um, I started seeing metal being a very animate object, right? Cucullin mm-hmm. had, you know, demons screaming from his, you know, rim of his shield, which was usually iron, you know, in his helmet and his weapons would follow him out of the chariot. You know, you had um, the the warriors would at Samhain place their uh, swords on their laps as they boasted. Right. You know, and their swords would, you know, would basically cut them if they over boasted. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, it it ain't bragging if you're telling the truth. Right. (laughs) 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 That's what my grandma said. You know, ain't bragging if you're telling the truth. Um you know, so, and, and I think that's come from a lot of times where we get soaring on of swords because the swords used to be, you, it would bear witness. you right. If you look at the, you know, uh, Battle of Mortura, you've got, you know, Agma unsheathing the Fomorian's uh, 
dead King's sword and playing tribute. And then the sword relayed all of the, the deeds that have happened to it. Mm. So it became, you know, kind of like dragnet, just the facts, you know, it wasn't tarnished or, or, or one-sided. It was just, this is what happened. And so it was a guarantee. And, you know, then there's other stories within, within it to where you've got, you know, spear dancing around, you have to quench it and poison to keep it from killing everybody, you know, unless you left it gifts, um, loose father, um, in the, uh, children of Turin, you know, he ended up being stoned to death, but he told him, you can't kill me with your sword because my sword, your sword will relate to Lou what it had done by it. So, you know, there's all these stories within, within the lore I'm thinking, and I'm an animist, right? So, I mean, I believe, you know, trees and things and stories, I mean, rocks around me, you know, they have a spirit to them, you know, a vibration and energy, whatever. And it was like, all of a sudden that piece of that puzzle dropped in. I'm like, well, you know, where I am living currently now in the foothills, about 15 minutes in two different directions are old revolutionary iron forges. Mm, yes. And what an iron forge is, is where they, they just literally dig the dirt and drop it in the top of a chimney with a big fire in it. And all the iron ore will melt and recoagulate together. So you end up with this bloom of iron. So I'm standing on all this iron, basically. It's really heavy. I knew I needed to filter on my water to, you know, filter out some of it so you don't end up with rust stains and everything because rust comes from where? Iron. Yes. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden it hit me. Wow, this stuff, you know, it's basically, a, it can be alive. Now, I'm not saying every piece of metal I've got, you know, that I work with, you know, with Chatty Cathy, you know, some of them I wish I wouldn't be, but, you know, as you look at working with tools, if you have metal tools, I started thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have an ally versus a screwdriver you throw in the toolbox when you're done? Why not live in right relationship with your magical tools, right? You're a thaumate. Have it yes. instead of just do a little thing, you know, and then you roll it up, you know, some nice cool stuff and put it away. Why not let it bear witness to your work? You know, why not use it? to aid you in your magical practice, you know, but that causes you to need to have a relationship with it. Right. Um, so it became this quest, lack of a better word of how, 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 how does one do that? Which is kind of what the book is about. You know, my, the book is, it's got some smithing stuff in it, some projects in it, but primarily I think it's about getting people to reconnect to the magic of metal. You know, everybody can do it because you already have it in you. You know, it's not something separate from you. You already have that connection. You know, that's something that I've not thought of about the metal being in being in us. And you're also reminding me of so many pieces of the the, the Irish mythology that I read in the in my studies in the Morgan. But it's been there's so much that I'm like I forgot about that, and it's amazing. And and um, so funny you said that because that was my first thought too. Was I've never actually thought about having metal in me. But as you're saying that, I'm like, yes, of course, yes, this well, makes those, sense. Those minerals, minerals. Yeah. But in those, those pieces and, um, the title of your book is, is just totally badass. So it's called metal never lies. Um, and it's, it's, you know, I, I had a chance to look at it before we had you on the show and, you know, you're so straightforward and it's funny and it's kind and it has, um, a lot of information in there, um, 
about like connecting with this, this material, which, you know, um, our friend David, she has talked about this, that in, um, certain, uh, East Asian or, um, North Asian uh, cultures, metal is considered to be an elemental alongside water and fire and air. A metal is one of them. Um, so there's, there's, it's, it's a, there's a, there's a universality to it, but I really appreciate what you're saying about, um, you know, connecting with metal because metal is within you. That's something that I used to teach when I was bleeding my coven is that, you know, connect with the air that is in with, with you, the breath that you breathe. It's not just something outside of you. You need to invoke, you want to connect what you already have. You're made of mostly water. So that's easy to do. And you've got, you know, your bones are made of, of minerals and things, which is of the earth. Um, and also metals, metals are badass because so many of them are not of this world and they came to us on meteorites. So you have very, very ancient energies that come from far out in the universe. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Am I right you know, on that or am I totally crazy? Yeah, no, but they're, they're, most of them are iron. Yeah. You know, because um, that's where in my limited studies, okay, because I don't, it's not my part of my path at, the, at this time. Um, you know, that's where a lot of the Egyptians got their iron from, was from oh, really? meteorites. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That was my, that's my understanding. I could be wrong. There are people out there a lot more smarter than me. You know, so I don't have a problem being wrong with it, but that's my understanding. And I was just like you when I read the lore, I was focused on on her. So I didn't see any of this other stuff. You know, it was like, this is what I'm looking for. This is all I see. And then I'll, when I went back to look for it, you know, it was like signs, you know, here <laughs> and here and over here. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about this. And with doing the study, it's not limited just to the Irish mythologies and the lore. It's everywhere. You know, the, the northern traditions have the same thing. Um, the Greek mythology has the same thing. The, a lot of the Asian, China, Japanese, they all have the same thing surrounding mm-hmm. metal being animate. You know, it's not, you know, the, the Japanese, you know, the, the samurai, the soul of the person they killed was embedded in their sword. Uh, yes. <laughs> you, you know, so, I mean, it's not just limited, you know, to, to that one region. It was everywhere, you know, which was, I thought was very eye opening because I wanted to do a little bit of research because not everybody's going to have an Irish background like I do. And I wanted it to be able to where at least gave people a starting point to do their own research, you know, cause I'm all about doing the work. I, I don't think you should just try to assimilate something. I think you should go find stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, have a little sweat equity involved. You'll, you'll be a better person by doing it. You know, we started as inspiration, but inspiration is just the beginning. Yeah. You know, it's the spark in the forge, if you will. Look at me bringing it all back together. Yay, me. So, but speaking of the mythology, so you do, you know, in our conversation now, but also in your book, you reference Irish mythology as a huge part of your practice. So, how, and tell us more about how Irish mythology both guides you as a pagan and how it partners with the metal magic that you do. Um, Well, you know, I'm a, as you'd mentioned earlier, I'm a priest of the Morrigan and I see, you know, everybody has a different, my opinion, everybody has a different role to play within the priesthood. Right. And I take this from my Christian days is not everybody can be the hand. Not everybody can be the mouth or the, you know, every takes a lot of different things to make up the whole body. Right. Um, so I see my work for her is um, making tools for other people to do their work. That's kind of how I feel mm-hmm. my role is. But as far as the Myers mythology, it's just, it's something, you know, 
like I said, I spent a long time in my pagan practice not being attached to to a god or goddess. You know, I almost kind of had a little, you know, a little badge of honor. You know, hey, I ain't nobody's. <laughs> you know, I'm right. own. You know, um, she had other ideas because I didn't wasn't looking for her either. You know, um, but I think as far as it, how it fits my magical practice, it, it has given me a, a track to run on. Right. It's given me some definition. Um, you know, I, I think once you find out w- whatever that is for anybody, you know, you just run with it. You know, and I was busy dabbling. You know, I really, you know, I dabbled so much. I, you know, it's a jack of all trades. You know, I played with everybody, but I didn't have a relationship with any of them. Yeah. You know, so I have a hard time for, for me. I'm a relationship type person. But I'm also very limited in who I have relationships with, right? Um, so I, I just, you know, I would dabble with everybody. I didn't want to get too close, right? That's just kind of who I was. And I think by by being able to delve in and focus and just, you know, put blinders on and say this, you know, hey, this is the way we're going, has, has been able to enable me to grow exponentially, me personally, to be able to do that. Not sure if I mm-hmm. answered your question. Not that's kind of we're ending up, though. Um, no, absolutely, certainly when it comes to your practice. But I think it, I'd love to hear more about, you know, the the your your the, how how the Morgan and the study in Irish mythology has really led to this practice of um, of metal as a magical practice. Okay, um, I tried, you know, because I've had people ask me, well, why don't you, you know, why don't you follow in Bridget, you know? Goddess of Smithcraft makes sense. It just, just happened, you know, and I have done some work with Governor, but it has been more of a practical type work, but nothing real serious. And if, but if you look at some etymology, which I thought was very interesting because I was trying to figure out myself, why, do, why does this fit in? You know, how does this, how does Smithcraft fit in to the Morgan? Because it doesn't seem on the surface, seem like a, a fit, Right. It's not. Yep. It's not on the nose. Point saying she is a goddess it's that works with Smiths. Right. We Americans really, really like things spelled out for us. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, there, there wasn't. You know, I didn't, it wasn't in the handbook I got. Right. So, um, so I had to do some searching on that. With you know, with her, I don't, I don't understand why. You know, why, why did this? And then, kind of dawned on me that you know she is one of the three um, deities that were mentioned as. Um, being a sorcerer of the tribe. Yes. Her and her sister are specifically named sorcerers of, you know, they were the sorcerers of, of, of the tribe. So no, none others have that title, but, but them that I can find. I, once again, I could have overlooked it and whatever. So I'm thinking, okay, well, there's a little bit of a magical influence there, just a tad. <laughs> and then I started looking at the etymology of, of her parentage. And the etymology that I came back with was her mom, the etymology, um, Ernmus is um, death by iron. Oh, see, I didn't, I just know, I knew Ernmus, I heard murder. I did never heard death by iron, but that's, I, I, or I iron can see death, him. depending iron on the death. translation. Okay. It depends on the, you know, because everybody, you know, has a different, you know, because everybody's translating it a little different, you know, but hey, I don't read it. So I'm grateful for everybody that's doing the translation. Believe oh, me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. know, I, got, I love that. I, I love no that. Iron death you know, or death by iron. And yeah. we would translate it to murder, but that's, that's not 
but then you've got to have something very specific. So death by iron to me sounds almost more like warfare. Well, I mean, she is a war goddess. Uh, yeah. Well, she, yes, absolutely. <laughs> just a little bit, you know, just, you know, she has been known. She, she's a lot more than that, but I mean, that's, that's one of her. And, and uh, Delbeth is, um, it's like magical transformation transformed by fire, depending on the translation. So I'm thinking, okay, iron and fire, blacksmithing. I'm good. Let's roll. So that's kind of how I'm sure that's a leap, but it works in my mind, you know, because those two things I have an intimate relationship with. And as far as the magic goes, you know, a lot of it is, you know, being open to the metal to let the metal do its work. So I will go to the forge if I need to make something for someone. Most of my work is actually commissioned work. Now I ship literally all over the world. Um, I haven't shipped to Asia, Antarctica, um, or South America, but I've shipped everywhere else. Um, Australia, uh, you know, Ireland. Yeah. All, all, all over Europe, um, Canada. Anyway. So as, as I go in there, I'm like, okay, well, who wants to be this? If I need to create something, who wants to be this? Um, and I can find out pretty quick who wants to be involved in the process. It has become kind of a little bit of a running joke with me and it, you know, as far as, you know, that part of the work, because if you're going to build a relationship with a magical tool, I have found it a lot easier if you get the tools buy in, right. Mm -hmm. You know, my Mm -hmm. grandmother said you get a lot more, you know, flies with honey than you do vinegar. Yes. Um, Because I have. I have grabbed metal to try to make something and it just wouldn't do it. Now I'm not a master blacksmith, but I know enough about to where I can do what I was doing fairly easily. And it just was not working at all. Um, so then I, okay, I need to listen, <laughs> Take, you know, you know, I need to re 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 restudy my own, my own methods here. Um, but it was what started out was um, I got a commission piece for a wand and it was going to be something that they wanted to be a very intimate tool for them to do a specific work with. And we went so much as um, shopping for the crystal, right? We did kind of a FaceTime thing as I was in a a crystal shop an hour or so away that I know um, one of those mom and pop places, right? Um, Anyway, so picked out the crystal and then, um, because this was like a, two month process that I went through. So we, you know, put the, the steel, you know, I've got a, a cop, a cedar <sighs> chunk of wood. I don't know how else to say it. That's hollow that I hollowed out to put the metal in that I'm working with to kind of give it some time to relax right away from the elements. Um, and then I would, you know, spent days creating this wand and just kind of really putting forth, listening to what it wanted, how it needed to be, and I would, was literally getting, no, not like this, this way. And I was getting help with the forging. You know, and this isn't like, you know, a beam of light from the sky showing, you know, ah, you know, kind of right. thing. It was just, you know, you, if you know, you know, right? You know, so it was one of those things. And I forged things in, in, in my smithy there within sacred space anyway, because I set space when I do it. Um, yes. So you, you just... You just know, right? And it came out to be one of the, one of the most beautiful pieces I've ever done. Oh, um, wow. And I'm like, maybe there's something here. You know, it's not just about creating, you know, really feely good widgets. Because, I mean, you walk into a place and you grab a stone, you go, oh, that feels really good. You grab another one, you go, oh, I don't like that one. 
right? So there's more to it than just vibration. Um, and I've, I've had, because this was three or four years ago that I created. And I, I check in every now and then because I've, I've become attached to these pieces because they're part of me, right? Because I'm doing work with them. And she's absolutely loving it. You know, it's become almost a friend of hers and she knows she understands it. It does have, they have a, they have a relationship that will, and it does aid her in the work that she does. So I just, and, and after that, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to do some research on this or something here. I went to go looking for help, right? All right. Who else has done magical metal work? Nothing. Nada. It bubkis out. There. I know it's so unusual. That's like when you wrote to us and said, "Hey, love to talk about this." I'm like, "Hell yeah, this is great!" You know. And then I got that 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 ping, right? It's what I call it when I get Bong. a direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you're going to have to write it now. I'm like, no, no, I'm, no. I'm, you know, you don't you don't understand. <laughs> I don't speak English. I definitely ain't writing it. Come on now. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, I, I wrote the book in about eight months. We were just talking about how books, uh, books, books, <laughs> books take time. That's why I don't trust some, don't trust a quote unquote author who's written 300 books because they're probably a bot. So. Yeah, um, this was a lot of the three, three o'clock, 3 a.m. She had me up at three o'clock, three or four times a, a week. You know, my, it got to the point where my, my beloved was like, you know, I, I guess you didn't get enough written this today, did you? <laughs> you know, because you know, it was like, you know, done all I can do today. And she would wake me up. Well, how about now? You know, you're not doing anything right now. Get up, go to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So which the witching hour, this, the creative space for sure. So, but you know, we're, we're, we're hearing you talk about creating tools and that being the magical process, but, and, you know, connecting with, with metal as a magical tool. Um, so the, the average person who either is, is clearly, because like you said, you're the only one, you know, that, that is, that is, that is, doing this kind of uh, public work or work publicly. Um, how is the average witch, how can they use metal um, to enhance their magic? When they, even if they're not connected to Irish mythology, you know, anyone. Yeah, um, most definitely. Um, I, I, I hope that everybody will look at um, their tools that they have, that if they're using any kind of metal within their practice, they, that they will look at them differently. Because within, within the book, I lay out several exercises um, I call them action steps for people to do because we just don't see it anymore. And I think the first step is to learning and seeing what you have, you know, so maybe look at the tools that you use magically, whether it's a pendant, whether it's an athami or a candle dish, just whatever that you're using, incense burner, whatever it is, if it's metal, write it down, you know, actually take a, a physical inventory of what you have and then categorize them, you know, are they iron, are they copper, are they gold, silver, whatever they are categorize them and then look at it and see if there's a theme within those categories for you of how they're being used. You know, are you using the iron tools more for this type of work versus the, maybe the copper tools? Are they doing it for this type of work? And a lot of times I have found that the mundane uses for uh, metal is also run uh, almost congruently with what the magical uses are which is not really a big surprise because they're pretty closely related, right? My, in, in, in my thought process, you know, so if you're looking at using steel or iron, I use the words interchangeably, so I, I apologize um, for it. But to, to me, steel is very much about courage. You know, it's not just 
you know, um, sharp pointy things. You know, to me, a tool and a weapon is a, is a definition. You know, it's how you use it. Um, screwdriver's a tool, you know, a knife's a weapon. Why? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've heard stories of people getting stabbed with screwdrivers. That's a weapon, right? You know, so I think it depends yeah, on they're your They're both use. sharp and pointy, but why is one a, you know, something that fixes something, whereas something else is a weapon? You know, so I see an anatomy more as a tool, you know, because it, it creates things, you know. Um, tool, eight, you know, is a, a, a magical tool of something that aids you to do something. Um, so if, if you, if you look at that, you know, you got iron, it's like, you know, it's, it's very courageous thing. It's very singularly focused. You know, it has one job. That's what it does. <laughs> you know, if you think about steel, you know, it steel for most things that you have in your house are not multi-purpose. You know, most steel things in your house, whether it be a knife or a pot or a, you know, candle lamp, whatever you have that steel, it has a purpose. So it has a very, I think, very singular focus, which is, that's part of its makeup, which is good, right? Um, you know, if you want, we'll look at copper real quick. You know, copper's naturally very healing, I think, because it's naturally very antimicrobial. That's why houses such as mine have copper pipe, water pipe, because it doesn't grow funky stuff in it. You know, it's naturally, and it's, it's like one of the best energy transfers on the planet. That's why your walls are covered in the stuff when you're running your electrical outlets, running from point A to point B, your wiring in your house or office is going to be made out of copper because that's what they use to move electricity current. So, you know, copper is a great metal to use for energetic purposes, you know, to move energy. Um, also healing. I think in the um, country of India's, um, a lot of those folks drink out of copper vessels because of the healing property. Another really cool thing about copper is it's a hundred percent recyclable. It, you don't lose any of it in the recycling process. Like you do with all the other metals, you lose some, some of it. I had um, no idea about that. And I'm such a recycling junkie that that makes me so happy because I get so sad when things can't be fully recycled. Well, I mean, you can recycle iron and steel, but when you do it, you're going to lose you're going to get forge scale and it's just a natural process that you're going to lose some of it in, in, in within the process where copper doesn't, it's 100% recyclable. I thought it was just really kind of cool. Um, you know, so like for me personally, um, I use copper for like my candle dishes so that when, you know, I'm working candle magic or anything like that, I've got that extra little boost, that extra little aid within my work, an ally to help me with doing what it is that I do. Right. Um, I usually carry a what I call a pocket notion, which is a copper I made a copper coin that I've got a sigil on it that I leave, you know, uh, have in my pocket. Just once again, it kind of aids me in, in the energy that I need personally um, that I feel I need. So, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of people have brass for candle holders. You know, you get them at the dollar store. You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's a, a lot of that stuff. I mean, think if you take an inventory of what you have in your home that's metal, I think you're going to be shocked. You probably get in a metal box and go to the grocery store. It takes about 2,000 pounds of, me of steel to make your car. Well, you know? I, I love what you said about how most metal things just have one job. And like you said, the 2,000-pound box, is its job is transportation, right? And sometimes housing. But in general, it's, it's, it's transportation. Um, the pot is for cooking. You know, it's healthy, it is, tasty meals. 
Yeah, it's it's it is that, and then the screwdriver is for construction or fixing things, and or so, loosening things. Loosening things. Yes. Thank you. Lefty Lucy. That's right. I spent a lot of time remembering that list. Lefty Lucy, righty tidy. It's just things I have to remember. But, um, you know, and so there, therefore, like you, it, it provides a lot of strength when you start working with metal in your magic because metal is used to having one specific job that they do very, very well. And so giving the metal that job, it's going to do a job really, really well is what I hear you saying. Am I correct in that? Yeah, and, and I think, but I think the key is is building the relationship with it. You know, spending some time with it, um, learning about it. You know, it's it, it a relationships. In in my mind, my vision relationship is not a one way transaction. You know, sometimes you also need to ask the metal what it wants. You know, do you give tribute to it? It's an ally. What you know? What are you doing for it? Basically, you know, it shouldn't be just. Uh, one way to, you shouldn't just be making withdrawals. You should be making deposits too. Um, just my personal thought process. You know, it's, if it's going to work for you, you need to take care of it. <laughs> you know, um, I think Make my, it worth its while. you know, my, my items, I look at them as being legacy items, you know, cause if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. And it's something that you can pass down. Um, I, I, I think in, in our current world, this is a, Big assumption, but I think we don't build the tight knit relationships that we used to. And some of that is due to the crud, you know, because we've had to live in silos. Right. But I think if you are living within a silo, you can, it, you, it's, to me, it's more of a reason to build a relationship with your magical tools, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I live it. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, that's what you need to do. But I think anybody that just wants to kind of step out there and grab your athame, you know, grab your, you know, if you have a metal wand, grab your candle dish and just spend some time with it. Not all of them are going to, like I said, are going to be chatty Cathy. Some of them you just may pick up a nice little hum and that's fine too. Um, but I think once you start building that relationship, you know, you have a candle scribe, you know, if it happens to be metal. You know, that's a great tool to build a relationship with because that's aiding you in your in your work. Right. Um, I can be at talking about this all day because most of the stuff up, you know, I'm, I, I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew talking about it. So <laughs> jacked up uh, on Mountain Dew. I love it. I love it. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, I mean, I think this is this has been an incredibly valuable. I know for me personally, and I'm sure for for our listeners as well. Um, so, but I want people to, you know, know where they can, where they can get your book, Metal Never Lies, and also where they can, you know, keep in connection with you if they're looking to get some metal work done or just to learn more. So where can people find you and where can they get your book? Well, it's, it's on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. Um, okay. And he's not a bot, y'all. He's not a bot. You, you can, yeah. You, if you, if you've read the book, you know, no self-respecting AI would write that. so you know that there, there, there you go um yeah and, and you can get i will sign it if you order um the book for me i'll sign it for you you know um so that's they always make nice gifts um my website's ravens keep forge ravens with an s keep um and all my socials the same things ravens keep forge facebook patreon instagram YouTube, it's all the same. So it just makes it kind of easy. Um, and if you, uh, we'll, we'll do, we'll do this. Um, TWL, the witch, witch life. 
Yeah, right? yeah, TWL, That Witch Life. If you do um, the, That Witch Life, just do TWL23. If you'll buy it from me, from the website, and put that in. Uh, so if you've made it this far, here's a, here's a treat for you. And put that in as a coupon. I'll give you $5 off the book. Oh, that's oh, wonderful. So TWL23, so is that, yep. that going to be the code? T- okay, y'all. TWL23. So if you've listened this far, you know, there you go. There's a spin. And will that be on your website where on they the can website. get the on the website? Okay. So you go to the ravenskeepforge.com and you use that coupon. We we really like coupons around here. So <laughs> that's a good yeah, one. We're big so, fans of we're big fans of the coupons. Yeah, the coupons. <laughs> the coupons. And All right, well, um, yeah. something else that I, I want to throw in real quick because I think it's kind of unique. Um, is once a month I do this, I call it community forging. And I always kind of explain it because it makes sense to me, but not to everybody else. Once a month, whether that be on a full moon or a um, dark moon, I do a forging for the community. Um, it is a sigil of some sort. Usually um, I have done copper candle scribes, um, but usually it's a sigil of, of some sort. Um, most likely it's going to be out of ohm just because that's kind of the tradition that, that I'm focused on. Um, or it's a pictograph, something like that glyph. Um, I do them all out of the same piece of metal either on the full moon or on the dark moon. And if it speaks to you, you can get in as a pre-order and it's only available that one time a month. I don't recycle them. They don't, I don't have them. I don't ever make them again. So I may make a few extra and have them on the site, but if everybody, anybody wants to get into that, you know, if that kind of speaks to them, you know, if they can follow me, they'll see what I'm doing each month. And I've did, you know, um, did one over Samhain, you know, for the ancestors and I've done, I'm kind of on this little bit of a journey with this last one was foundation, you know, so we did a couple of ohm stats together to kind of help with giving personal juice, you know, and I've done, I've done some pretty cool ones. I have to admit, I, I will pat myself on the back. I ain't bragging if it's true. I've done some pretty cool ones. Um, and it's some amazing things that have happened with the metal. But the cool thing is that not only are you connected to the metal, but you're also connected to everybody else that needed that piece. So no matter where you are on the planet, you have a connection somewhere else within your community to someone that's also sharing your journey. So I always think that's kind of cool. Anyway. That's very cool. That's I very love that. cool. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. If you're well, into that kind of thing. I'm there. You're, there are people out there who are going to be all over it. And I love any chance that we can get to make connection, I think is so valuable right now. But I, I just want to say, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really glad you reached out and, um, you know, uh, everyone, please go and check out Ravens Keep Forge. Yep. Ravens Keep Forge. Please go check out Ravens Keep Forge. And um, Metal Never Lies is a great book and is an important resource. So um, everybody uh, check that out. And thanks again, Sam. And for the rest of y'all, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to That Witch Life Podcast. Our music is by Dustin Schultz, editing by Corey Drake. If you like what we do, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee or check out our merch on our Etsy store or join us on Patreon for bonus content, ad-free episodes, or to join our Witch Squad. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit. We will talk to you next week. So mode it be.